Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to what has been an active podcast for a couple of months. We're back with a series of shows planned for the coming months. And this week I am joined by Sean and Brian to discuss Eric Tan Hag's arrival, Ralph Ragnick's hot and cold relationship with Manchester United as he leaves the club rather than stay on in his pre-planned consultancy role. The players leaving and who will be coming in. Ten Hag arrives at United with three Eredivisie titles to his name after leading Ajax back to glory. Of course, there's a lot of speculation about what players will come in, what kind of football he's going to play. And look, we're excited about that. But we've been here before with Ragnick. You know, we had the, the gig and pressing. We thought we'd see that. We didn't really get much of it. And we're without Champions League football now. So we're going to discuss our feelings on that. To get things started, Brian. What have you met about the excitement around Ten Hag? And like I said, we've been here before with new managers. We've had new manager bounces. But what are you doing right now to kind of level yourself? I actually found it quite uninspiring, the whole process, because I think it was a bit dragged out where we kind of knew early doors Ten Hag was kind of the favourite between himself and Pochettino, realistically. I don't think Pochettino was ever truly, truly in the running Whereas Tin Hag seemingly was always the one was they wanted and he was always the one was most likely. So I kind of got used to the the feeling of Eric Tin Hag coming to United before he actually joined, which gave me a sense of kind of an anticlimax on the day he did come. I can't lie, I don't watch a terrible amount of Dutch football, so I haven't followed his career or watched that closely. But just from, I suppose, watching and reading about him, seems to know what he wants, seems to be very direct and driven, which I like. Um, doesn't really care about 
what anyone says or does, he's very much his own man. So that inspires me in a way where I think we've got a fellow who's going to walk in and go, right, lads, this is it. This is what's happening. I'm the boss in the story, which is something I think a strength we've needed for a while. Um, we didn't get that with Rangnick in his tenure. And I think Ole was, I think everyone would admit Ole was probably a little bit too soft. So I think this kind of new, this new spectrum to the manager is badly wanted in the situation we're in. When you say that and that kind of manager who issues out what he wants and is quite demanding, again, I think we've been here before with managers with Jose Mourinho and stuff, but is there a difference now in the club showing that they're, well, suggesting that they're going to change? We've seen lots of people leave the club from the board, scouts, we've seen an array of people leave the club. Do you think this is a new chapter where someone like Ten Hag that has his philosophy and his way of of playing that he will be backed? You know, when I say backed, I'm not just saying given a massive transfer kitty, but trusted and given time to, to build this Manchester United team. Well, I certainly hope so. I think, obviously, Every manager that has been before has had to deal with different variables from the manager beforehand. And one of the largest issues that they've had is with that each new manager that came in, they were picking up little bits and pieces of the manager beforehand. Yeah. I mean, it really cultivates in a situation where obviously Raniak, who's leaving now, is dealing with players that were there during Ferguson's time. You know, so there's fundamental issues at the club that we could spend 10 hours talking about and realistically speaking what you have with Ten Hag coming in now it looks certainly positive from the outside looking in with the I suppose the exodus of backroom staff from from scouts to board level with the exodus of players that no longer have a part at the football club I mean you I Brian can only go by what we're hearing and what we're reading in terms of the amount of money that's going to be available He's not necessarily going to be given a blank check like a Pep Guardiola. So oh, I, 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 I can tell you now, he will not be given a blank check. It's um, no. uh, like for, from, from what I'm hearing, and we'll talk about this further on the line of the podcast, there's not money there that he can go and rebuild the squad in the next year or two, I wouldn't think. No, no. And I would like the, I suppose the way that I've been trying to put this together in my head and piece it together in my head. I'm more so focusing prior to people coming into the club. I'm more so than focusing on who's going to lead the club because ultimately, you know, everybody looks at it. We need X, Y, and Z to come into the club to be able to fulfill these various different roles. And I don't think that that has been working because every single player that we add to the club, you're adding them to a toxic environment. So fundamentally, I feel like the departure of X, Y, and Z is far more valuable to the club. Obviously, there's, there's positions we need to strengthen. We need a defensive midfielder. Like, obviously, everybody knows this. And there's other positions that need to be strengthened. And hopefully, he's backed with who he needs to bring in. And I would like to think that he has got a plan because he seems like a very, very shrewd guy. Like Brian said, I'm not going to try to say that I watch Dutch football week in, week out because I don't. Um, but I've watched enough of highlights and I've looked at as much as I possibly could in the length of time since Ten Hag has been coming to the club to get some sort of an idea as to how he plays. He has a system that he likes to play, but he's obviously come out and said already that it's not about his system, it's about Manchester United's system. So Raniak spoke very, very well, and we didn't get massive results out of it. So I'm more so reserved to see 
how it pans out because words are one thing and implementation of that is an entirely different thing. Brian, what would you like to see Ten Hag perhaps do or maybe the way he should act in, in the coming months? Because this dressing room of players is not too popular. And in his bid to get them back to you know, their best form, he also needs to lift, lift their popularity amongst the fans. And I'm sure winning football matches will do that. But what would you like to see from the manager? One of the things he needs to achieve relatively quickly is to give us an identity on the pitch again that we can get behind. Make us likeable to the fans. Like the, Definitely the last third of the season, we were far from likeable as a team to the, to the fans on the sideline. But... You know, Give us a side that we can get behind. Like even if any football fan who's realistic doesn't terribly mind losing a game if you've given your ball and you've given your best and you can see the effort and the, the determination in the team to actually get that result, but they came up short. But like Jesus, we saw at the end of the season there was games there where they, they just threw in the towel. They absolutely gave up. He speaks um, about the players having to work together and to fight together. And I think that's that was one of the more important messages from his first press conference as Manchester United manager because we speak about falling out of love with Manchester United players and there's only there's been two occasions that come to mind in the post Alex Ferguson era and that was under Jose Mourinho and it was this season big standout moments for me and the parallels in those two periods were players throwing the towel in and and having this kind of feeling when you're watching the players in the pitch and you're there paying your hard-earned money and you have these players earning fucking X thousands, thousands per week and they're just not putting the graft in or not putting the shift in. And that's what breaks the the love, isn't it? It comes yeah, down to that. When you, when you think they're not putting the work in, it's not about whether they're winning or losing. So... But that's something that Ten Hag has to bring to this team. And I think from, from, from speaking to people and from reading reports, it's very clear that Manchester United, the identity of player they're looking for this summer are hard workers and players that will, that will run more than, than the opposition because there's a few lads there that are playing Manchester United on high, high wages and they're not willing to work. They're just not willing to work. No, they're not. And like, I mean, I suppose... The, the part that really encapsulated that feeling this season was was Brighton away. Brighton away was definitely, from the amount of games I've done this season, between home away and Europe, I mean, even games we've got beaten. My record this season has been horrendous for games I've attended. I think I've only seen about five wins. But some of the results have been good draws. Some of them have been poor performances. But Brighton was gut-wrenching. Like, I was stood on the sideline looking in and I was staring at these lads playing for a club that I've loved since I was about five years of age. And I had genuine contempt for them. I really had dislike for players in front of me wearing our shirt because I felt like they were taking the piss out of me and out of everyone else stood beside me. They weren't putting in a shift. They weren't trying. The shoulders dropped. No effort, no energy, going through the motions. But they were still collecting a massive wage pack of Friday evening. Probably what I'll make in two years, they'll make in a week. So, you know, it is sickening that way. But I think what Tin Hag, aside from that, what Tin Hag needs to get on board is bring back the message that no player is bigger than the club, which is one of his biggest, um, one of his hardest tasks he's going to have, especially in modern football, when you've got the likes of players that who have massive, massive millions and millions of followers on social media and that, and they do become superstars, which could potentially be considered bigger than the club. We need to eradicate that from the side because we need players, like you say, who want to work together, fight together and play together. 
And you're not going to have that if you've got some lad who's more focused on Instagram and social media than he is on putting in a shift on a Saturday. I think the biggest thing with any acquisition that's coming in, you know, it's easy to say to bring in hardworking players. I think the profile of the player that we need to bring in is very, very straightforward. We need to bring in a player that... I suppose is at a certain point of his career where they want to make a jump and they want to play at a, at a certain level and playing at Manchester United is a huge jump for them. It's not like I'm, I'm somewhat undecided with what's going on with Frankie de Jong at the moment, because if you believe everything you're reading, this is a guy that's not totally sold on the idea of moving to the club. If that's the case, close the book and move on because entertaining, bringing a player like that to the club is continuing on in the exact same way that we have for the last 10 years. And it's so wrong. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, yeah. If, like you said, what we're reading about the young, I don't mind when a player has loyalty to a club that he's with and he's saying he wants to stay at Barcelona. That's perfectly fine if you want to stay at Barcelona. But if if the attitude is, I don't want to come to United because we're not in the Champions League for the next nine months, well, that stinks to me because like you're supposed to be coming to drive us back into the Champions League. And then you have Champions League again. You've missed it for a couple of for one season, but you've made such a difference. You're now an integral part of a massive club Who's to say you're not the main the main man in the midfield pulling strings for us and we're all singing your name from the sideline and you're adored? Do you not want that? If you don't, jog on. Good luck. Exactly. I think I, I think I think the situation with, with Frankie De Young is I'm sitting on the fence in, in, in a sense that I I don't believe that he is stressing that he is not interested in coming to Manchester United because <clears throat> man, the way Manchester United operate in the transfer market people might laugh at this in recent years the background checks and so on they're trying to make it very clear that they will not sign players they're not interested in coming to the club they've been there before with players with the likes of Angel Di Maria and that and it, it, it was something that came up when when Samuel Lockhart of the Manchester the news report that Calvin Phillips was was or United were working on a deal to to sign Calvin Phillips now if that's true there is no way that Calvin Phillips has told United that he wouldn't come. United wouldn't work on a deal. They just wouldn't. You, you can't. It wouldn't, but like, the thing with the youngest was the, the difference in that situation. He's not necessarily leaving Barcelona because he wants to go to a new club. He's been forced out the door because Barcelona are broke. Yeah. So it, it changes his, his mindset. Like, I mean, he's, he's sitting there going, I don't want to leave here, but I have to because you're broke and I'm worth a few quid to you. So he's, he's still coming with the wrong attitude in, in that sense. I, he's, still, I, I, he's hard to still, it's going to be Romelu Lukaku wanting to go back to Inter Milan. The way I read it is, I think, Frankie de Jong right now is saving face. He is at Barcelona, a club like Manchester United, that players generally don't really want to leave. When, when things are going well at Manchester United and Barcelona, players do not want to leave. And Frankie de Jong is in a situation where he probably doesn't know yet if he's going to be one of the players that Barcelona are going to cash in on this summer. Now, if it comes to it, that Barcelona have decided, yes, you're one of the ones that we can make money on this summer. We've agreed a deal with Manchester United. Will you go there? You could see his tune change very, very quickly. But you have to understand as well that right now, he doesn't want to piss off Barcelona fans because people have done that in the past. People have done that in the past and it, it, it's not worth it. It's not. We don't like it when players do it to us. If, if, a, play, if a player comes out and whatever, it's best, I think, if a footballer saves face. And right now, Manchester United have a very, very appealing project to football agents, especially in Transamark. You've got Ten Hag, who's one of the, the best up-and-coming coaches in, in, in European football. 
at the moment. He's the one that, that a lot of big clubs have been looking at, you know, and talking about. You know, he's links with Pep Guardiola. He's he studied. He's been successful. He's he's took Ajax to the semi-finals of the Champions League. He's done amazing things, and I think a lot of top players will be touted to Manchester United this summer because they'll they'll want their players part of that project. Ten Hag is a very very impressive CV, and right now it looks like he's going to be given the keys to lead Manchester United into the future. I reckon Frankie De Jong. We talk with the other transfers too. But I reckon that one, th- th- there's a possibility. It comes down to Barcelona, whether they can get an investment in the coming weeks to finance their, their, their transfers or a, a cash injection is what they need. That's what they need but in the coming weeks. Just think about this logically, okay? Just, just totally logically. Barcelona are a football club that are in, in financial turmoil at the moment. And if they need to offload players, not only on their wage structure, but to be able to receive a monetary amount for their for their transfer, they're going to have to get rid of one of, i.e., one or two of their superstar players, you know, because they're the players that are going to command the transfer fee. While I can totally appreciate what you're saying about Frankie trying to save face for the Barcelona fans, there's no smoke without fire. And realistically speaking, there's enough of information in the tabloids and in the press to state that there's some sort of conversations going on between the two football clubs. At that point, it'd be very easy for him to stay quiet, but instead he's taking a decision to come out and to speak about it. And that, to me, speaks enough. And that, to me, says, as much as I love his talents and as much as I love the idea of him playing at the club, it goes totally against what we are trying to build with a new manager and a new system. That's just my take on it. I totally get the point. But at the other side, you have to accept that Frankie de Jong, as much as we'd like him to be, is not contracted to Manchester United. He's contracted to Barcelona. And in, in, in a sense that right now, for him, it's 50-50. That he, whether he's going to be at Barcelona next season. He knows that himself, it's 50-50. Because it was very clear when these stories were leaked, when you seen what sides were coming from, from which angles, that it was Barcelona that were making it clear that we have Frankie de Jong and we're willing to cash in on him to, to, to buy players this summer. All Frankie de Jong did was make it clear that he was happy at the club and that he, he loves playing for Barcelona. You know, he's never come out and said that he, he, he wouldn't go to, to this club or that club. There's murmurs that he wants to play in the Champions League. That's a top player. I don't, I don't blame him. I don't, I, I don't blame him. But... The prospect then of, of linking up with Ten Hag at Manchester United, the new project that I'm talking about, that's going to be a very appealing to agents. That could swing in our direction. I reckon right now it's very 50-50. It's early days. I think in the next week after his, he returns from his international break, we'll learn more. With Ralph Ragnick leaving Manchester United a lot earlier than expected, we're going to share our thoughts on that because he was hired as interim manager like that didn't really excite many people because he didn't have much of a track record as a manager. And anyone that I think it's, you'd speak to that, that has worked with him would tell you that he's not a manager. He's someone that, that builds football clubs and recommends structures for, for, for different clubs and has been successful with the Red Bull brand. But, but at Manchester United, the plan was six months as interim manager and then to become a consultant for over two years. Pretty clear, lads, when this was announced that the word consultant no one knew what that meant 
what exactly he would be doing, what his responsibilities would be. It was later reported that he'd work six days a month. And as a consultant, you don't really need someone hands-on around the club. It's more to suggest what the club should be doing off the pitch and to, in, in, in a football environment and rather than prioritising commercial growth. But Ragnick is leaving. We're not going to see his influence in, in that field. Um, Brian, does that just make it all a complete and utter waste of time? In, a, in the simplest form, yes. Um, going back, I suppose, to when he came in first. One of the strangest things that struck me was, none of us, I won't say none of us, but I'd say 95% of us had never heard of the fella, which bothered me. I was like, if this guy is so good, and if this guy is the, the godfather of this and the grandfather of whatever else, why is no one ever talking about him? But it's a, it's a commonly used term. We were sold a dream. We were told this lad was coming in. He's the father of Gagan Press and Klopp looks up to him and this one looks up to him and this is going to be unbelievable. And we all got on board with it. Yeah, the club is making a football decision, putting football men in a football club. And I was absolutely delighted. As much as I was disgusted, Ollie's tenure had finished. I said, no, this is it. Now we're going to turn a corner. Ralph is coming in. Off we go. 45 minutes later in his first game, I went, what is after happening here? They're all after turning around at half time and going, Ralph, we can't do this, lad. What are you on about? Gagan press. You mad? It's not working. They all gave up the Gagan press. That was all we ever saw of it. And then he just started to stick 11 players out in the pitch and go, right, off you go. Have a bit of crack. Do your best. And we got the shit kicked out of us for six months. All the time thinking, this will still be worth it. This is okay. Even though it's gone to shit for this season, it'll be all right because this lad's going to go up top and he's going to fix the big, massive mess we have in our hands. Except Austria turned up. Now, Austria, I'm sure, is a lovely country with some fabulous ski slopes. But Jesus Christ, managing Austria is like dropping from Man United to Doncaster. Grow up, Ralph. Like, yeah. Have a bit of cop on. He turned around and he goes, I'm going to do six days a month. And you were saying it's grand. It's not. It's not grand. You're coming in after getting the, one of the biggest jobs in the world in football. To come in and do this consultancy crack where you're going to wave your magic wand and you go, come here, I'm going to do a day and a half a week. Sound. No, no, no. We're in a mess. We're in a cauldron of absolute shite at the moment. We need someone to come in here and put his heart and soul into this. Earn the wages that you're going to command off us and fix it. Not come in on a Thursday evening for four hours, stay around Friday and head off to the ski slopes again. Forget about it. Not happening. And then we, we read that he's decided that the workload with Austria, again, no, I'm stressing the word Austria, not Brazil, Argentina, Spain, or Germany. He's not going to be winning the World Cup anytime soon. But the workload with Austria was too extensive that he couldn't continue with his plan to do a day and a half a week with us. Someone is pulling my plum here because there's something drastically wrong with this story. It all comes to a head where Manchester United have announced Ralph Ragnick has decided to leave. Ralph, you came in for six months. You rightly called everyone on the team a dickhead and you left. What does that make you? That's very, very true. And in the, in, in the closing weeks, I was perhaps clutching for straws and trying to find positives to, 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 what, to what he could do. And, and that abruptly ended when it was announced that he was leaving to, to go and manage Austria. But I was thinking to myself that, right, he's after assessing this dressing room, which is a complete mess 
The players don't like each other. There's splits in the dressing room. They haven't been united all season. They haven't been working or fighting for one another. And, and we've seen it. It's it, it's not right. There's been leaks. There's been constant speculation. And it's just been a con- constant circus, really. But with Ragnick, if he was to stay, there's a lot of people he's upset that are going to be staying at this football club. And I'm not saying that Eric Ten Hag needs to have a completely happy dressing room. He doesn't. He probably never will. But you don't want the manager coming in, starting off on the page when there's a bit of a sour mood. And right now, there's a very sour mood at Manchester United. It's when they come back from pre-season, he needs to lift that back up. So maybe I'm thinking about it again, looking, searching for positives. There's no denying that over the past six months that Ragnick didn't really impress people at Manchester United. The excitement, let's say, from employees that when he was appointed, in contrast to now, as he leaves, it's huge. Sean, before we we move on from Ragnick, because I don't think he he deserves a, a long spell on this podcast because his duration at the club was so short. What did you make of it all? Because we haven't really been recording since since he came in. I think our, I think our last podcast was when he was appointed. I think I think it's very straightforward. Okay, I think it can be summarized extremely easily. This is a guy that when the announcement was made, we were all incredibly pleased with. As Brian said, I mean, we're putting footballing people in footballing positions. I wasn't pleased with how the club was at the time of Solskjaer sacking. I, I, I very much wish there was some sort of way Solskjaer could have stayed, but at the time his position was untenable. We've got a scenario where we've got this guy that, as Brian touched on, truthfully, not a whole lot of people knows a whole lot of things about, but it certainly reads very well, and that's half the battle. So we get this guy in for six months, and then he goes upstairs and waves his magic wand. And I think ultimately what has happened is we've got a guy in who's clearly not a manager. He has one sort of ideal in his head about how everything should be run. He arrives day one and says, we're going to gig and press. The guys do it for 30 minutes. They decide then that it's too tough for him and they stop. He doesn't have a plan B. And like any good manager should do in terms of arriving in a dressing room, assessing players' strengths and weaknesses and building a tactic based on their strengths and weaknesses, he didn't do that. He said, this is how we're going to play. And ultimately, you have a dressing room of players who were not able to do that, which naturally is going to cause disgruntled players and it's going to cause the issues that we've had. And with regards to him leaving, look, I mean, I think there's an awful lot of people both at the club and outside of the club watching that have a lot of sour taste in their mouth after what's happened over the last six months. And I don't think there's too many people are upset that he's leaving. Disappointed about is that what what excited me was having him on the board, potentially. And assisting the likes of of Marto and Fletcher in in football decisions, but but over time, I think as Brian alluded to, it became clear that he was there for the payday. I think. I wonder. Ultimately, though. I wonder though as well. Ultimately, I think it was though because over the time, you look at Manchester United right now and what and the discussions that we have about the the mess. You know, we've been crying mm. out for change for the past over fifteen years. Okay, and this guy comes in, he comes into a club that everybody in the world is criticizing for a number of reasons. We're a mess. We're a laughingstock at the moment. Our two, our two biggest rivals, 
they're competing for Premier League titles and, and Champions Leagues. And it should be us that are stopping them. It should be Manchester United to stop Liverpool from winning the Premier League. We're fucking relying on City to do it every year. That's the reality of it, right? So he comes in and he decides then over time that the workload cut it back a bit. I know I said I thought six days as a consultant. I think as a consultant, I think that's fine. But Ralph Ragnick is someone that should be on the board and influence and change. I guess you do need him on the ground every day at Carrington. You need him around in meetings the whole time. But he wanted to cut back his workload. The, the Austria links, they came a few months ago. So talks must have began then. And he was looking for a way out. He wasn't, there, he wasn't there for the long run, I don't think. And when I look back at interviews, whenever a journalist asked Ragnick about his consultancy role, he said it, was never, it wasn't being discussed. I have this job now. He always shied away from it. Can I put a question to two of you? Ralph Ragnick, how he came into the club, right? If you took it back out of him being Ralph Ragnick, if you'd given the same job to a Manchester United fan in this parallel universe, Man United fan comes in, takes over as manager of the club. Best of intentions in the world. This is what I want to see. Comes in first day, goes, this is what we're going to do. And the club, the, the boys in the dressing room go, don't know about that. They make you look like a bit of an idiot because they can't do your system. They can't play the way you want to play. You don't have a plan B, you panic. What do you do? You start lashing out. You call this fellow out because he can't do this. You call that fellow out because he's not good enough. You start kind of picking on players you don't really like or don't really want. And then you spend six months doing that, not really doing much as a football manager because you seem to have no clue what to do. And at the end of it, you leg it. So on the back of all that, is there anything that Ralph Rangnick has done since he came to the club that any one of us as a fan couldn't have done or would have done differently in a sense? Saving the fact that everyone is praising him for being honest. I'm sure if any of us were there in that position, we'd have been just as honest as he was. It's a perfectly valid point. I mean, there's, there's no real logical argument you can put against that. Any one of the three of us, hypothetically speaking, could have gone and done exactly what he did. Uh, he, he, he selected a few different players. Like he, he came in, he, he changed one Basaka, started playing Dallow, you know, and, and little things like that. Started giving Tellez more game time when people had asked for it. But realistically speaking, there was, there was nothing. There was no real sort of end product. There was a lot of talking and there was a lot of honesty in, in the press conferences. But personally, I think a lot of what was spoken was what everybody knew anyway. You know, and I think everybody behind the scenes was well aware of what was being spoken in public as well. It's just he, he came out and he spoke very publicly. And I think at the beginning, everyone said, this is a breath of fresh air. We finally have an individual who's speaking truth at press conference. We're full. We're like he's, he's not afraid to, to, to say the ugly truth. But ultimately, that's all it was. It was just it was lip service. It was lip service every single week. And I think Brian is spot on. I think it's that situation where you're backed into a corner. You don't really know what else to do. So you lash out. I think it was definitely lip service. I think Brian... Believe it or not, there, there, there's, there's United fans out there that would have done a better job. I think you're putting down a few fans by saying that they, they would have done the same job as that because the Athletic had done, have done a great piece on, on Ragnick and kind of outlining his, his, his time at Manchester United and where he was getting his decisions from. And it, it became pretty clear reading that article that 
he didn't make many decisions at all in a managerial capacity. He outsourced everything. There was problems with Anthony Martial because before he came out and said that Martial didn't want to play, it wasn't him that went and spoke to Martial about that. He had got someone else to do that. So my problem is Mar- Ralph Ragnick did very, very little during his time at Manchester United. I think he just sat there and, and observed. Other than that, there's not much I, I can say he'd he done. And I think, Brian, if a, if a Manchester United fan had gone in there, and a lot of them would have given it a go, I'm sure, as funny as, as it sounds, I reckon they would have done more. I reckon someone would have done more work. I think there's, it's a problem that we appointed a manager that came in for six six months and knew that. I think he felt pretty soon that he clearly spoke to Austria that he wasn't going to be there longer. And this just all contributes to, to why players were feeling that the club had also thrown the towel in on the season and given up halfway through. You know, it's just a complete mess. So the whole interim thing, they just glossed it up by saying he'll come in on a consultancy basis, that that might excite fans. Because it did excite fans. It fucking excited me, and that's why I'm pissed off about how it's turned out. You know, Hindsight is a great thing. Hindsight is a great thing. Yeah, 100%. But, but 100%. It, it does annoy me because, like I've said, we've had, so, we've had countless discussions on this podcast about the way Manchester United is run. We get a bit of glimmer of hope that someone who is a a proper football and thinking person is coming in and is going to help at least. I'm not saying steer the ship, but help at least have a bit of influence and tell people, no, we shouldn't do that. We We didn't even get that out of this. We got shit results for six months. And as shit as it was under Ali, I don't think it was actually worth getting rid of him in the end. Because no, t- I'm t- telling you, if they had told Ali back then that we're going to get rid of you at the end of the season, we're, we're going to replace you, we're going to move on, he would have said, that's fine. I'll do my best. But Ralph, Ralph Ragnick didn't. He no, didn't. he didn't. He didn't. No, 100% he didn't. He came into a job which, which is baffling. He didn't seem to have any objectives or targets. Like No one was upset with him for missing out in top four. When, we, when he came in, we were still even up to a couple of weeks before the end of the season, we still had a chance of, of recouping something from the season and getting Champions League football. But no one seems to have come out and said from the club, that wasn't good enough. We missed out on a chance of getting of Champions League football. We're now in the Europa League. We depended on, we got beat by Crystal Palace and depended on West Ham to throw their ass around to give us Europa League instead of Conference League. We should have been in the Conference League. That's where we should be based on the results we got. Baron of fluke, he won at the end of the season. So I can't understand how he came in. He did what he did. And no one's saying... Why did he not get top four? I mean, if he had the players at his disposal, he couldn't achieve it. He told a lot of home truths, but of the home truths he told, which everyone was getting all giddy about, are there really anything that Eric Ten Hag won't be fully aware of coming in that door? Is there anything no. he said that Eric Ten Hag won't blatantly know is a problem before he steps in there? Jesse Lingard doesn't want to play. Jesse Lingard's gone. Pogba doesn't want to play. He's gone. Martial doesn't want to play. He hopefully will go. If, if 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 Eric Ten Hag and he does he doesn't need to be told by me, but if if he he happens to be listening to the Straycast on his on his way home from um from shopping tonight, um the one thing I, I I'd have to say is you don't need to come out and and give these honest truths. You do need to be honest with the, with with the media and with the press and with the fans. But what would be a lot more telling to me is you, you actually fix 
fix it. Yeah. You know, you know, Rag- Ragnik, in fairness, every week, I got a bit bored of it because you just knew what he was going to say. You just knew he was going to say, no, they didn't press. They didn't press enough or whatever. It was the same thing. And he'd hang players try and, and say they didn't work hard enough. Blah, blah, blah. Same thing over and over again. But that's the problem, wasn't it? That it, the players were doing this week in, week out. They weren't listening. So he can complain about it. But ultimately, as manager, as the leader of that dressing room, it's him coming short. And he'll tell you and how he got the Austria job on the back of that. I, I, know, we're, I know we're joking, talking about it's not Brazil, it's not Argentina. I'm sure Austria want to win football matches. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure, sure, sure they will. But look, before we wrap it up, we have... Um, we have some players to talk about that will be leaving, that will be coming in. And Brian as well is going to tell us an end of season tale from one of his away trips to brighten the mood after what's been a kind of a, a podcast where we've spoken a lot about disappointment and, and bad things. <laughs> Sean, um, so one of the players leaving Manchester now, there's a list that have they've confirmed. There's Paul Pogba, there's Jesse Lingard, there's Juan Mata, and I'm missing one. Who else is Manu that? Matic. Matic Grant. as well. Grant. Yes, there's another few. And we expect more players will be leaving this summer as well. Cavani, actually. Cavani, you'd forget about him because he hardly showed up. Um, Sean, out of all those players, but is there any of them that you'll be sorry, sad to see go? Of course, yeah. You'd be sorry to see Juan Mata go. Just based on the, I suppose just who he is. He's, he's a good guy. Ultimately, it is the correct time for him to go. Um, but even with his heartfelt farewell to the club, it was, it just, I suppose, it typified the man he is. Look, <laughs> trying to keep this as, as, as sort of tight as I possibly can, the players leaving need to leave. And more of them need to leave. It doesn't matter who comes to the club, what manager comes to the club to these players these players need to go. They've been there far too long and they need to go. We need a cleanse of the dressing room. So Cavani, Matic, Pogba, Lingard, Mata, I'd add another five or six players on top of that that I'd like to leave this summer. And I would sooner just have youth players come into the, into the dressing room who want to be in the dressing room and who want to play for the shirt. I'm sorry that it hasn't worked out for certain players. I'm sorry that the likes of Juan Mata couldn't really, really fulfill his potential. And there's different contentious sort of scenarios that he was playing on the right wing and people will argue that over being played in the centre. I'm sorry that Nemanja Matic didn't come to the club three or four years before he actually came to the club. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to focus on these things. We've had years after years after years of excuses. We've had years after years of dressing room leaks and poor performances and lethargic mentalities in a dressing room that is corrupt and broken. It is killing my football club. I am sick and tired of talking about managers failing. I'm sick and tired of talking about players failing. We have a squad full of, I suppose, people that don't want to be there. We have a squad full of pretenders in a dressing room full of absolute hypocrites. And I'm sick to, I'm just, I'm sick of talking about them. I, to, 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 to my content. This isn't a rant. This is just, I'm, I'm fed up of speaking. This is the first fellas. podcast back. We haven't even been talking about it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's guys that are just, they're pulling money for doing nothing. Like Brian said at Brighton, like he, Brian is, is spending harder money to go there to, to that particular game and watch it. And there's guys that could not give two hoots out in the field. It's about time these guys leave. And 
you know what, as, as much sentiment as I would like to drag out of certain players staying and, and Matt being this wonderful human being, as I said, five or six of them gone. We need another five or six of them gone and we need a cleanse of the dressing room. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I am sorry to see Matt leave, but I think this season, I think he was underused. I think in thinking back to, to how things planned out, I look at Paul Pogba who continued to underperform when he, when he was fit. And I wonder, well, would we have been better off to, to play Mata in midfield in certain games? You know, it's just, just a thought. And he, he, he will leave. He didn't make, get many minutes this season. But um, he's also a player that I don't think we ever got or played to his strengths and got the best out of. I know his best days uh, at Chelsea where he won the Champions League. He's also won the World Cup with Spain. So he's had an incredible career. But... But looking at the players leaving, Paul Pogba, I think if we spend too much time talking about him, the podcast will get very sour. Um, he's someone who's irritated me for, for, for years. Um, so, so talented. But when it, came, when it comes to work, he's afraid of it. Ultimately afraid of it. And, and that's why it didn't work out for him just at Manchester United. It didn't work out for him in the Premier League. Midfielders need to work. And and he hasn't got that characteristic, and he can and he, him and his and his media team can fucking play the violin for however long they want, um, with their documentaries and, and other shit shows. But to be honest, I'm just happy that we're done with that now. Um, that is one player that I'm happy we're done with. Maybe maybe Jesse Lingard too. There's a lot of dust around Jesse Lingard right now. His his brother certainly didn't help his um, reputation when it came to social media and flirting constantly with West Ham and throwing digs at Manchester United. Just a circus. Um, Louis Scott belongs probably to a circus. Bit of a clown, um, if you if you ask me. And he has single handedly, I think, tarnished his brother's relationship with the football club before he leaves and he leaves under a great cloud but he I think that will be forgotten um Lingard is someone who loves Man United and I guess it didn't work out for him but Brian um those players I know we've kind of talked about all of them Mata is the one I kind of want to focus with you and maybe Paul Pogba um your thoughts um two very different human beings Two, def- two very different personalities and work ethics. Pogba, Pogba really pissed me off. Pogba, when he signed, was a, such an exciting signing. He was such an exciting man to come into the club. I'd looked at him playing with Juve and he was pinging, pinging the top corner from outside the box and he was pulling the strings and he was strutting his stuff around the place. And he just looked at me like, he's like a pheasant. He's like, he's this colourful character that's showing off their abilities. Came into the club and I said, Jesus, this is it. This is the one. We're going to build a team around this lad. Or he is the one to change the team or whatever way it's going to work out. He's the one to bring us back. And he just didn't bother his arse. He just didn't care. He just came in. He did it for a bit. Relatively did it for a bit. Then he just gave up. Um, don't think he ever really bought into the idea of being a Man United player encapsulated by a simple thing his Twitter bio he never called himself a United player in his Twitter bio he said he's an Adidas footballer like what's that mean you're an Adidas footballer Jesus grow up Juan um, Mata did on the other side Juan Mata is one of the most beautiful human beings that's ever graced the earth and a beautiful man so lovely lovely personality great lad I'm sure to have around the dressing room 
massively unfulfilled career in the Premier League and with Man United for reasons of reasons of United obviously failing him in one sense, but I think I think he also failed himself a little bit. People probably give me an absolute lambasting for saying this, but should he not have left earlier? Should he not have turned around and said, hang on a second, lads. I'm sitting on the bench here. I'm after coming from Chelsea. And he's another one. When we signed him, I didn't believe. I actually thought the lads who rang me about it and said, we signed him Matt, I thought it was This lad had torn the Premier League apart for two seasons in a row. He was their player of the season. We got him. And I just went, wow, what a signing. Jesus Christ, this guy is gifted. And we never got to see it. Like we got... Obviously, we've got glimmers of it. Like We never got to see a full season of sit one matter in behind a striker or two strikers and letting pick a defence apart. We stuck him out in right wing. He's as slow as I am. He's a wonderful left foot, but he's as slow as I am. He's not capable of playing that position. He was underused or used wrong. The day should have came for his own career. He's a World Cup winner, Champions League winner. On event. Why am I sitting on the bench at Man United? Why am I being shoved into right midfield? I'm better than this. I'm a better footballer than this. I could go to another club and have a great time. Did he love Man United that much? Maybe so. Maybe that was the reason behind it. If it was, fair play to him. And I love the man. I think he's a great fella. Wish him all the best in the future. And I do hope he comes back as a coach sometime or a club ambassador or something along that. But I think... He'll always have Anfields. We'll always have Anfields, or one field as we call it. Um, (laughs) We're saying it's the right time for him to leave. If I was honest, I think he should have left a few years back for himself. Yeah, I think, well, look, he was certainly, if you look at Juan Mata, certainly good enough to play football elsewhere. And I, I, I think you raise a very good point because he didn't have to sit around at Manchester United, but he took the wage um, ultimately. So before we wrap it up, and I thank all the listeners for listening back to the Strategy Cast and make sure you subscribe and check out strategynews.com for 24-7 coverage of Manchester United. Um, Brian, we have four minutes left for you to tell your story about your very funny away trip this season. Um, yeah, right. There's been quite a few moments that we probably can't really discuss publicly throughout <laughs> the season um, with some lifetime injuries gained by some people. But anyway, aside from those, Villa away stands out for the season for me. Um, Villa away, if you've done it or if you haven't, the away bar in Villa away... It's a, it's a pub split in two, sort of. It's the one building, the one bar, the front of the bar, the actual inside of the bar, and the front courtyard is for the home fans. There's a side gate where you go in, and the back yard, for want of a better word, is the away bar, with two plastic glass-serving bars on either end, and they've got one internal room with a toilet at the end of it. Not toilet isn't in the same room, but what you know what I mean. So that internal room has got flags on the wall, load of reds inside, singing their arse off. I've been talking to this lad from Ireland on Twitter. Never met the fella. Became friendly enough with him on Twitter over the last year or two. And we'd arranged to meet at a few different games for a point. And it never actually came to fruition. But this particular one, he decided, yeah, this is the one. We'll meet up for a point for this one in the away bar. Brand was I. I landed the away bar. I've had about 10 points on board. So obviously, I'm in fine fettle, great form. Absolutely no idea how to text this fella back because I'm flaming. Uh, up to the bar for a point, listen to the crack, soak in the atmosphere. And next thing, a lad runs out of the internal room screaming, is anyone a doctor? And we all kind of look and go, what the fuck is wrong with this fella? A doctor, a doctor, anyone a doctor? Kind of thought no more, but yeah, two more vodka Red Bull and two pints of Carling Sound. We're all drinking away. Next thing, cops come in, ambulance crew, ambulance crew lands in. We're looking around going, Jesus Christ, long as it has happened. Dave, what's going on here? 
we keep drinking away as you do, but not to waste drinking time. And my phone rings from Irish man. His number comes up on my phone. I answer it. And it's, an, it's a lovely English ambulance lady. Hi, Brian. We've got your friend, Irish man here. Um, I need you to come out to us for a minute. Sorry? You, you what? Yeah, you, your friend is here. Um, we need you to come out. He's had an accident and he's outside in the ambulance. We can't release him into anyone's care. We have to release him into someone's care. And like you're the only person he knows you. And in my drunken stopper, I'm like, look, Darren, I'm not being smacked around him, but I've never met the fucking fellow before in my life. If you walk past me, I wouldn't recognize him. How in the name of Christ are you going to let this lad into my care? I've had about 12 points. I'm off my fucking tits. And you want me to mind this fella? What's after happen? He said, oh, he forgot to take his medication. And he had an epileptic fit. I said, what? How am I going to be an adult and take care of this lad? In the meantime, while I'm waiting to walk out, there's a young lad called Meland who's been begging, looking for a ticket. He's trying all day looking for a ticket. Can't find a spare anywhere. We'll get to that in a minute. I land back out of the, out to the ambulance. Tell the boys at the door, don't forget me. Leave me back in. And all the doors are closed. Don't shaft me and leave me outside. Up to the ambulance door. I said, look, before I stick my head in here, is this fellow alive or what am I going to walk into? She was like, ah, he's not feeling great, but he's okay. So I stick the head in. There's my lad inside. He's gone colour of grey. Can hardly see. And I'm supposed to take care of him. Like, I'm panicking here going, Jesus Christ, this is going to end in tears. She lets him out into my care. And I said, look, come on, lad, what's the crack? By the way, I'm Brian. Nice to meet you. Um, we better go for a stroll and get you some fresh air. So we walk around the ground for a minute. Get him a bottle of water. And he finally just says, come here. I'm bollocksed. I'm going to have to go back to bed. I can't do this. Here's my ticket. Will you, uh, will you do something with it? And I said, look, lad, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to try and get a, a couple of quid for it or get a ball of money for it, but I'll find a good home for it. So I get him into a taxi. I'm worrying about him. I'm thinking, what am I going to do with him? In back into the bar, tell the lads what happened. They're all like, Jesus Christ, that's mad. I spot young Milan over talking to a bunch of lads. So I said, ah, we can end this one on a happy note. I bounce over to him, look at him and go, Milan, come here a second. He said, yeah, what's happened? I hand him a ticket and go, that's yours. Stand with us inside in the game. And he's too wise to look up like a child at Christmas. And he goes, like, what do you mean? It's mine. I said, there's your ticket. You were looking for one. Off you go. Enjoy the day. Meet me inside of the ground. We meet up before we go in. So the young lad starts jumping and leaping around the place, absolutely buzzing off his tits. And it just finished a lovely away day where we had a tragedy at the start and it finished off with a lad making his day. It's just one of the highlights of the season in the sense that he had a great day and he's only a young lad following United around the place. Obviously not a highlight of the season for an Irish man to have a bad day out. Luckily, he's fine afterwards and we've met up at another game since, including Madrid away. Um, and he had a great time. But that was a, that was a cracking day out, that one, yeah. It's a very nice story. I think we Jesus. want. I want. I wanted to end that on a positive. And I hope Irishman, um, if you're listening, that you're you're recovered now and take your medication. Fuck's sake! Um, you taking his medicine all season, watching him bastards playing football. <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> You'd have to be. You'd have to be, lads. Thanks so much for for, for joining me. I know we went a bit over 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 the duration, the normal duration, but look. We had a bit to get off our chest and um, as of next week, we'll be back to the 40-minute slots and, and conversations with other United fans. Um, Brian, thanks for joining and Sean, we'll speak to you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.